You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. And I walk in with my with my little stereo and one of them says to me, um, who are you? Uh, oh, Emily, I'm a dance teacher. But we don't want to do we don't want to do cheerleading. We want to do street dance. So, she, so this girl goes and gets a petition going. Um, <laughs> we don't yeah, we don't want to we don't want to do cheerleading, we want to do dancing. So I'm like, guys, like I am so down to teach you street dance. This is what I do. Um, let's do street dance. And then again, really uh, um, cutting it short, these girls ended up being my first ever competition team that I trained to be, and they were national champions in their first competition. And then it just blew up from there. Um, yeah, so that is how we started in 2000 and probably nine it was. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Ricky is a fitness industry expert, having been helping people achieve their fitness goals since 2002. We talk everything fitness, business, and group exercise to help you on your fitness journey. Welcome to episode number 62 of the Ricky Long Podcast. This episode was so enjoyable to record. It is with Emily Jo Wilson, who is a dancer, a successful businesswoman, and she is a Les Mills trainer for Les Mills Bar, Shabam, and... Les Mills Bar, Shabam, and there's another one. There's another one. Tone, Les Mills Tone, of course. Um, I had great fun chatting to Emily. I don't really get a chance to sit down and chat with Emily a lot when we're at different events. Um, we're always running in and out of classes, so it was nice to sit down, have a good, I think it was about 70 minutes, where we just chatted back and forth, found out a lot about Emily. And yeah, it was just really, really nice. And we've recorded that and we're going to share it with you. Um, special shout out to Emily's Fierce Dance Academy, uh, which is the name of Emily's fitness dance business. So it's a Fierce Dance Academy based in Hull, um, specifically designed for children, street dance school. You're going to hear a lot about it in this episode. And it sounds a really, really cool, fun place and really, really just piece of excellent that Emily's created. And you're going to... A quick message for me in this one is about if you're on a, a certain life journey and you're not really too sure about the path you're on, is it the right path for you, what's next, all those sort of big eternal questions, that's okay to have those questions, just trust the process. You're going to hear Emily share her journey, um, I've shared my journey plenty of times on this podcast, so just a shout out for that, I've connected with a lot of people recently, just off the back of Les Mills Tribal Gathering in London and Twickenham. And just want to, my personal message to everyone is if no matter where you are right now is where you're meant to be for this moment. Do not stress. This episode is sponsored by Putting for Sport Northern Ireland Sports Retailer of the Year. Here also sponsored me and my Ironman in May 2020. So shout out to Putting for Sport. Please go give them a follow on social media. And if you're interested in being on the next intake of Jump 4.2, that will be January 2020, the waiting list, priority list, interest list, the email list will be in the show notes of this episode. So just get yourself onto that. You'll hear all the information first. And of course, if you give me shout outs on Instagram stories, taking screenshots of your phone right now, put it on Instagram stories, you will make me one of the happiest people alive today. Handing over to Emily Joe Wilson. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. 
introducing to the Ricky Long podcast is Emily Wilson, owner of Fierce Dance Academy and a Les Mills trainer for Shabam Bar and Balance. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning. First and foremost, I have to say, normally when people come onto the podcast, they are kind of a little bit kind of nervous and we'll have a conversation beforehand but you're one of the most relaxed I have ever seen you're sitting there with a cup of coffee or is it tea or is it (laughs) it's it's peppermint tea I have um yeah I've already had my coffee this morning before my 7am balance so it's just peppermint tea I've got right now 7am balance on a Monday morning yeah that's right (laughs) how does that go down um you know what it's it gets so we get quite busy um generally uh, more in summer it's a little bit quiet this time of year because obviously it's dark and people don't want to get up and out of bed um same goes with me in summer it's super easy to jump out of bed um it's a bit more of a struggle on a, on a monday when it's dark um or if i've had quarterlies or anything at the weekend it's always a little bit more challenging but um but because i work from home on a monday it's really nice because it gets me like home for quarter past eight and then cracking straight on so um yeah enjoy it and for everybody listening I want you to know that Emily has had a lovely blow dry I want to say (laughs) her hair is looking fabulous right now (laughs) yeah I don't often have the time but I have specifically had a blow dry and I haven't really but I have trapped myself this morning a bit of self-care to um a blow dry (laughs) absolutely she's got she's got dressed up for this podcast I love it (laughs) but I am going to ask you four questions quick fire questions to start with I didn't warn you about these um and what these do these help get the juices flowing so Name a food that you love. Pizza. Name a place you would love to travel to or visit. um, Italy. I have been there a lot, but it's my favourite. Do you prefer summer or winter? Summer, 100%. iPhone or Android? (laughs) Absolutely iPhone. Oh, I did laugh. You cannot take, yeah, you cannot take a decent selfie on an Android. Or like, (laughs) it's like you can like. I'm sorry for any Android users, but an argument he is like Android. He's like anti Apple, and I own everything Apple. Like, I am that ideal customer. Like, see the Apple, and I want it. But um, yeah, like the stories are awful on Instagram. I, I just don't look good on an Android. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how you, I liked how you led that. Sorry for any Android users, and I would like to clarify my stance on that. I feel sorry for Android users because, <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's it's iPhone or nothing. <laughs> oh dear. Right, so um, yeah, 100%. I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself. So tell me, tell the world about Emily. <laughs> so my name is Emily, Emily Wilson. Um, I've turned here uh, in August. So I'm just coming into my 30s, which actually feels like a whole new chapter, um, a whole new season of my life. So I am a dance teacher and dance school owner and I'm a trainer presenter for Les Mills um, and I have been for five years now, I think it is. Um, yeah. 
Awesome. So tell me about the, the dance school, the Fierce Dance Academy. So um, the Dance Academy, it, we teach children of all ages. Uh, we try and open um, all ages, backgrounds. Um, we teach street dance. For, so if we imagine street dance uh, as, an, as an umbrella term, street dance has lots of styles under that. So that is hip hop, dance hall, um, house, commercial, whacking. There's a lot, lots. Um, it, you know, break dancing, which I don't teach, by the way, that is something I'm not good at. Um, popping and locking, which goes into hip hop. There's lots of different variations of street dance. So as a school, we kind of try and offer as, as many as we can. Um, I try and teach as many of them as I can. Sometimes we get other professionals in to teach. Um, yeah, so we've been going now for, mm, let me think, 2012 we opened properly, but there's quite a long story. Uh, how we got started so that's quite a quite a long story of how it kind of all came about but um but yeah our kind of thing is just community dance classes we run from uh, a local college which got really nice facilities we've just opened our second branch in Beverly which is the town that I live um, the initial branch is in Hull and um, we teach boys and girls and they start from age four so like school starting age we used to teach a little bit younger, but we kind of set it at an age because that's the time when uh, they're really under learning and just small things like knowing where, how to stand in a space and wait for direction and instruction. Um, and we teach all the way up through to adults, really, young adults. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what we do, just street dance. Street dance, whether they want to compete, um, perform, or just dance for fun, we try and keep it really open and accessible. Also, it's such a good thing that you do because it's obviously it's working with kids it's working in yeah. the community and you just said at the end there was one of the questions I had is how old are they when they come in and you said four years old yeah yeah that's what where we start I, that, like, I just think that's incredible because I, I watch it so I always talk about when I'm doing any speeches and we'll talk about dance in like it's not a it's not a culture in the UK. Dancing's mm -hmm. not a culture yeah. when you compare it to you know like the States or Eastern Europe or, or parts of Africa or just other parts in the world. So to bring mm -hmm. that into kids at, at such a mm -hmm. age. Um, yeah. So so tell me when you're working with the the younger kids in the community, what's their reception and how, how do they what's their uptake on dancing? You know, as a child in the the UK um so with I think it's very different depending on what style of dance you teach mm -hmm. um with the kind of dancing that we teach I think it's kind of it's very open to everybody you know not everybody likes ballet no I actually didn't like ballet as a child at all in fact I hated it because and as I've got older I've realized it's because I was very creative as a child and I felt like it stamped on any creativity that I had um, because it was so strict, which obviously now I understand as, a, uh, as I got older and trained that um, that's what it's all about. It's, the, um, it's a strict technique and street dance is totally different. It's very self, it's very, it's just all about being expressive and music is a massive so the music pop music and it's the stuff that the kids listen to and quite often the stuff that they um put on at home in the morning before school um often the phone call I'll get from a parent is oh hi can my daughter start class every morning she's up putting the radio on asking Alexa to play this song and 
she's dancing to Nicki Minaj in the living room. Um, is that what you do? And I'm like, yeah, that's exact. That is exactly what we do. It's just move into music. Um, and then along the way, obviously teaching them proper street dance technique and styles. But the actual core of it is just expression, enjoyment, and fitness, which is something that comes as a byproduct of dancing. So it's just it's it sits in very well with I think just modern culture and what the children are listening to at home anyway, what they're talking about at school, um, what they've got on their iPhones or their Androids <laughs> listening to. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it just seems to sit really nicely. And that's why we get a nice mixture of children, I think, boys and girls as well, because it is so um, appealing to uh, a lot of different different types of children and as young as four. That's, that's so cool. Um, like I've, I've been honest with you in private conversations and, you know, just how you present the, yourself and your dance school dancing on your social media. Like, I mm-hmm. absolutely love it. I could not tell you what genre of dance I'm watching. I'm just watching <laughs> it thinking that, that it's so cool. And, you know, as you just said, it, it, it's boys and girls um, dancing yeah. together. Um, so, so I think... Yeah. I think that's just probably in the, the present climate that leads me on to, you know, how do boys and girls feel about dancing with each other? Are there any ever issues, oh. problems? When does that develop? I can see a massive smile in so, your face. I know a story's coming. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just, it's, uh, it's something I've had like really, really positive um, feelings on this and really sad things as well. I've come with this with, with the, um, I've got a lot of young boys in my new uh, our new branch in Beverly. Um, lots of the um, younger ones, under eights, because they have no inhibitions and they have no concept of what's expected that are of them as a gender. Um, and they just they they don't care and they just go for it. And there's no boys and I mean sometimes there is because obviously we're taught these things in society that boys do this, girls do this. Um, but you do find as they get older, this becomes more prominent. Um, at the moment in my competition team, I have one boy. Um, he is 13, I think, I hope, because I hope I've got it right. <laughs> yes, he's 13, yeah, he's 13. And um, yeah, he is absolutely fantastic. I've had him since he was seven. Um, and he, I'm sure, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me talking about it, neither would his parents, because um, they're so proud of him and everything that he achieves. But he had a little bit of trouble at school. Um, he has ADHD and just struggled with school. And yet at dance class, he is so consistent, so hardworking, so kind, everything you would want in a student. Um, and he's, he's absolutely, he's just exceptional. And he gets on with the girls like, I couldn't ask. I couldn't ask any better. He's. I think his. He'd probably be embarrassed, but his dad told me that he sees us all as his big sisters, and that's the kind of relationship that we have. Um, and yeah, I mean, for a thirteen-year-old boy, you've got to see that 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 can bring some challenges, um, especially in this current climate where social media is massive. So um, on the flip side of it, I also taught another young boy who um, sadly left us last year. Um, he was British champion. He was phenomenal. He succeeded in everything that he did. And then when our social media started to get bigger, he found he had trouble at school with the fact that he was dancing. Um, 
you know, comments on dancing. And even though ultimately his choice to leave wasn't because of this, it was he got into boxing and he preferred that and he wanted to, because he puts everything into everything, he wanted to focus on that. But I do think there was a big challenge there in him being able to comfortably, comfortably dance mm-hmm. and comfortably show his relationship with us as as girls and um, being around us. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there becomes challenges where they're at the same school and, and they're walking across the corridor and the year 11 girls are waving at him and it's like, who's that? Or I'm going to dance class. And so that becomes a problem and it's a real shame. Um, I do actually think that's probably different in different areas. Couldn't a massive dance come more in, in down south, um, London in different areas, but being from a small town up north, northeast up north um it's not as common for boys to dance so that has been quite a battle again when they're younger it's fine but um yeah I'm so grateful to still have our and yeah he loves it and he seems really confident in himself but I do think it's hard to find that balance I think but between being a lad and being who you want to be and and still enjoying dance even though it is you know cool dancing rather than ballet as some people would say I, I know some of the boys I've taught have said that um even though boys are able to do any style of dance they want, there should be absolutely be no um, issues with gender. Um, it's still a it's still a thing that's there. It's still a question as to whether they're going to carry on when it starts to get tricky. Mm-hmm. So that can be that can be tricky. And it, it was really emotional actually when our first one left because he was he was extraordinary. And I even said to him, you know, there's a potential to teach one day. And um, he was a real, just the real talent and his mum and dad were absolutely gutted when he left because dance is so much more than just dancing. Um, but yeah, so that was that was hard. Um, it was also, you know, a lesson learned. You have to respect that children, even though it's modern technology and it's Instagram and Facebook, they've still got privacy. You have to respect that different, different kids want different things with that. So um, it's about keeping up with that, but also understanding that it's not easy Mm-hmm. Um, being on social media when it's thing like a hobby sometimes that studio is their safe place mm-hmm. uh, and they don't want to be on video so they don't want to be so you have to carefully suss it out sometimes and that was one of the hardest things when we first started using social media more yeah. was you know how, how we're going to gauge this um, but it's just about having the open conversation and being honest like we did yeah. the Spice Girls dance. It was like, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> Can I please not be in this one? And I was like, yeah. And it's as long as the conversation's there and it's open, nobody has to do anything, you know, that they don't want to do. But um, even though there should absolutely be no barriers in terms of gender in any dance style, it does exist because of society's expectations. And I think as a teacher, it's just making sure that we try and make sure that's not a thing in our dance school. There's so, so many things I want to pull out with that, but I just want to say, like, I, I can relate slightly. Because um, when you grow up in schools yeah. in Northern Ireland, you are at some point, you have to do Irish dancing. So I, I can relate. Yeah. I remember oh, right. okay. I remember standing at one side of the room, you know, with all, all the other boys. And, yeah. you know, the girls were on the other side of the room. And to be fair, because there was boys yeah. and girls in the room and nobody had ever done Irish dancing before, like nobody was dying to get into the middle of the room and actually start doing yeah. all these moves. So I, I can really, yeah, like there, there would be, thinking back to my childhood, there would be a barrier straight away from even starting. So I, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you, so like if there's any parents in your local area listening to this, is what does day one look like when 
a you know a, a young child comes in what what does it look like so we can offer functions because we we do payments kind of in big chunks um the plan is that when someone comes to try it they come and try it for free so there's no obligation just come and give it a try um, and yeah just turn up in your most comfortable clothes where you just feel feel comfortable and just wear trainers and just be ready just with an open mind and um and the, the first thing that we try and encourage with a new dancer is that there's no expectations, whether they are four or whether they're 20. There's no expectations. You just got to throw yourself in there, enjoy it. Um, if it's too easy, if it's too hard, let us know at the end so we can kind of gauge where you are. Um, just have fun. Um, often, you know, when we ask what's expected, most of the kids do say, um, you know, just got to make sure we have fun. I'm like, yeah, exactly that. So that is the key um, on the first class definitely is just to enjoy it um and yeah obviously as a teacher first class is our chance to see how a dancer moves um uh, their potential but obviously that doesn't make a difference either way um how they do get on the most important thing is that they got something valuable out of the class and that they enjoyed it because that is essentially what's going to make them stick to it and enjoy it sure. and tell me just a little bit more about the the dance school itself you said you had a competition team so what's oh, what's the competition? We um so we do about two or three competitions a year. It just it depends on the year really and what we've gone. Um, consider so how the timetable works as a school is we have classes for every age group on a Tuesday evening in Hull, and classes for um every age group in Beverly on a Wednesday as well. So Beverly and Hull. Uh, um, Hull is a city and Beverly is kind of a small town where I live just on the outside so um, and then we have a competition team like an advanced competition team who train on a Monday night um, and we're not we don't actually some schools audition for this um, place in like the competition squad but I actually don't do that I open it up to any child that shows that they have the dedication the interest the enthusiasm because for me, anybody that has that is teachable. So I just welcome them in. Obviously, there's different levels of competing. We have sections like solos, duos, and team. Team, uh, being in a team, which we have two at the moment, often does require being selected. But in terms of entering competing to start with, it is completely open to any of our students that want to give it a try. Just passion and just determine it's required really to take that next level. I'm going to, you, did you say 2012 you opened the school? Yeah, yeah. 2012 we opened it um, officially um, in, and actually started giving weekly classes. Um, so back when I was, so when I was 19, um, let, well, let me get this right with my age, let me think. <laughs> so, um so 2012 was when we kind of started advertising properly and setting up classes properly and opening it up to everybody. Mm-hmm. But if we go all the way back to, gosh, probably 2009. So my first ever job, I'm going to go off on a tangent a little bit here. Perfect, I <laughs> love to that. Give it, but to give it context. So when I was... Um, when I was younger, so obviously being a dancer, I always wanted to dance. That's all I wanted to do. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Didn't really know how. Everybody who dances wants to be a dancer. That is obviously the ultimate goal. That's what everybody wants to do. Um, and then when I was when I was 
16 kind of girls started to go off to dance schools and going in that direction I was not growing up enough at 16 um I would not have been ready for that I would have been dropped in London and not had a clue what on earth I was doing so um I kind of reconsidered at 18 taking that path um and then when I was 19 I was at university so I decided to stay in Hull University for for well Hull College for a few for a few different reasons really um I still didn't feel ready I didn't feel grown up enough to go out into the big wide world and it was really it was really tricky because I was at the peak age to be dance training but I just didn't feel like I had the life experience to kind of go out there and my mum and dad were quite um my mum thought being from the north London compared black hole where you go and nobody else back out of if, yep. you're, if you live in like a small town so my mum my mum my was not keen on me kind of going away um, and also my dad was really ill at the time and it just felt like the right thing to do is to stay at home and I was in this like massive thing of what am I going to do in Hull I never dreamt this was going to be my life at this age I don't know what to do with myself so um my dad kind of sat me down and was like right let's at least stick in the path you want to go which is Hull, um which is dance so I found a dance degree course at Hull College I was really negative about it I didn't want to do it I thought I didn't think I was doing very well with my life by staying in Hull I thought you know I want better for myself but I thought I'm just going to take it as it comes and then I just went all in with it really with the degree and I just got everything out of it that I could possibly have got out of it and during that time my dad actually cut out this little slip from the newspaper and it was sat on my fireplace and it said um oh, what are these dry side coach fitness instructor at the local leisure center so I pick it up and I'm like oh what's this He's like, oh, I've just cut it out of the paper and I see like 10 pound an hour and I'm like 10 pound an hour like at that time it was four pound I think three pound fifty minimum wage and I was like what's this all about then um plus a market supplement so you were talking 17 pound an hour and I was like, this seems, ama- this seems amazing, what is it? And it was a kid's dance teacher at the local leisure centre. I'm like, drive. Um, I decided that I wouldn't spend my money on driving. I wanted to kind of fund myself going training and doing dance classes. And um, yeah, probably going out and stuff. <laughs> I just didn't want the commitment of having a car. And I still believe that I might still move away. So I didn't want to commit to having a car. So I thought, right. So I didn't drive. My dad took me to... Um, this interview and they were like do you want to do and long story short do you want to do your ETM and I was like am I what (laughs) exercise the music I was like well is it free and they were like no it's 400 pounds so again long story short I spent my first student um proper student loan which I got in my second year on getting my ETM yes um so which I thought which now I think was quite a sensible idea I'm quite impressed with my 19 year old me giving up that four or five hundred pounds onto that so obviously there's another story there of how I came into Les Mills, but if we're talking about my dance school, they then sent me to local schools um, in the local area. And this, and I got trained, so I was a bit of a yes person when you start a new job and you just kind of like, yes, 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 I'll do whatever. They were like, do you want to be a cheerleading coach? And inside I was like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> it is not me. It's not me. It's not what I want to do. I've never done it. I, but at that age in that, time you just kind of like yeah I'll take whatever so I go on to this cheerleading uh, course and then I get sent into schools and it's just really funny how things work I get sent into this school and I walk in and there's this group of girls 
and I think right because I'm only 19 myself and I look young and they look older than me <laughs> and I walk in with my with my little stereo and one of them says to me um who are you oh Emily I'm a dance teacher but we don't want to do we don't want to do cheerleading we want to do street dance so, she, so this girl goes and gets a petition going <laughs> um, we don't yeah we don't want to we don't want to do cheerleading we want to do dancing so I'm like guys like I am so down to teach you street dance this is what I do um let's do street dance and then again really uh, um cutting it short these girls ended up being my first ever competition team that I trained to be and they were national champions in their first competition and then it just blew up from there um yeah so that is how we started in 2000 and probably nine it was that is that's powerful thank you so much for for sharing that absolutely love that um like there, there's so many messages in that just i, I could pick so many mm-hmm. I, I, i'm in this just one of the books that i'm reading right now and it's it, you know it's about yeah. luck um luck yeah. isn't a thing it's when preparation meets opportunity and that yeah. was your opportunity you know, Absolutely. It's it's not luck that you walked in there, and it wasn't luck that no. these girls wanted to do street dance. That is the opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's that it's not luck that you didn't go to London. No, no, no. I, I would not change that for the for the yeah. world. Um, now it's it's yeah. It's just mad how things happen, and that's when I really started to believe that um, you know the universe has your back, and whatever you give in, you get back. And sometimes you just have to trust it. And I always come back to that same thing. Uh, how it all panned out is so crazy and it's until I it's not until I sit down and think about it I'm like that is crazy and I mean these girls now in their 20s and they're some of my best friends um they came to my wedding and we catch up now and you know they were they were in between 12 and 12 and 14 when I met them uh, and they've been a massive massive part of my life um and they all left last year actually it was really emotional when they left me um and all went off and did amazing things some of them are now with me teaching actually um yeah so it's been a real process but yeah it's just mad how things work out and you just have to trust that things are working out for you and you can't look at other people's journeys Uh and situations and um hope that's what you're gonna have or that's what you're gonna get which I did do when I was doing you know I've seen these girls go off to dance school and my mum and dad didn't have the money to send me and pay, you know, 30 grand a year for, unless you got a scholarship um, for these kind of schools. And I, I didn't have the life experience. I used to feel really down about that, that that's how I felt and that I should be doing better and being better. Um, and then now I just totally see it for what it is. And I, I, I just, I think back to my 19 year old self and feel really proud of the, just the small decisions that I made. I mean, I used to, because I didn't drive I used to have to get my dad used to say to me he'd give me a lift but he also used to try and keep me quite independent so I would actually I had one hour I had a one dance class on a Saturday morning at Horton Price Leisure Centre I still work there now that's where I teach and my first ever class there was um on a Saturday morning I had one hour class I used to get paid 17 pounds for the hour now to get there I used to have to get a bus to the train station in Beverly I then used to have to get a train to Cottingham I then used to have to get a bus from Cottingham to Hessel and then walk to the leisure centre and then do that back. I probably spent more in um, travel getting there and back than I did earn. I maybe earned two or three pounds, but obviously what I got from that is invaluable. Um, and everything that I do in my life now, 
started from that one point. Dance school, Les Mills, absolutely everything. And those small decisions when I was that young, um, just to do that and get those buses and get those trains and um, take that job and just be grateful for it for as an opportunity um, has led to everything now. So I definitely think it's a perfect balance between what the universe gives to you and the, the kind of decisions that you make. That's such a good anchor you've got there. It's such a good landmark in your life because it's it's very easy to live comfortably, and it would have been very easy for you even at that young age to think, well, stuff that that class is only earning me two or three quid. It's taken me, I don't know, three hours to teach this one hour class. Um, And you know that the life that that I love, you know, social media is obviously. You know, and I'm I'm part of this, but social media is obviously full of motivational yeah. messages and life hacks. And the only life hack that is actually true yeah. is work really hard, and that's a that's a demonstration yeah. of yeah. what you were doing even at that young age. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, work hard and, and work smart, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of working hard and working smart, we've alluded to Les Mills a few times. Um, so yeah. we'll bring you on the the Les Mills now. Let me. Let me try and put words in your mouth and some dates. So 10 years ago, when you were roughly 19, that's when you you did your yep. ATM, et cetera, 2012, you opened mm-hmm. the business school and you said you've yep. been on the team five years, which is 2014. So how did, how did Les Mills yep. come into yep. your that's life right. and explain where you are now? So um, when I first went on my ETM, I started teaching a free, it was called Freestyle Fitness and it was yeah. like my own, my own dad I was absolutely shit like I was really shit at putting together um like fitness classes because I was I wasn't a dancer I was sorry I wasn't a fitness instructor I was a dancer and at first like merging those two things together is so weird um piecing it together and I mean all I did on my course is get told off for dancing on my aerobic course um <laughs> actually <laughs> on a side on a side note I actually I was thinking about this the other day I actually had a really crappy trainer um again all these little things that happen to you when you're younger that I feel like you know like create real resilience um she was really not nice to me but at, the, at, at that age you don't realize but now as a woman of 30 which she probably was at that time um, she was really dismissive of the fact that I was a dancer, really mm. negative about it. Try like tried to insult me as much as she could about it. Um, and at first, I let it really get to me, and I was thinking that this aerobics thing isn't for me because obviously then it was traditional aerobics we were training for. No, I don't think it's for me. But I was like, no, I've got to persist because this is what work want me to do, so that I can teach the children. So I've got to kind of persist with it, even if I never teach aerobics again in my life because I'm obviously rubbish at it. Um, but she used to kind of pick me out for doing moves wrong. And, um, in hindsight now, being really honest, I think, I think it was actually just a little bit of an issue with her herself, which again is something you realize growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that, that kind of knocks my confidence initially. Um, but I just kind of like chose, chose to go with it. I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll accept. I'm a dancer. I'm trying something different. Um, and yeah, so I, so I got my ETM and then I was teaching freestyle fitness, struggling to, struggling to piece together. Everyone was like, it's too easy. My feedback was always, it's great fun. She's really good. But um, if I ever covered another instructor, it's not aerobic. She's just dancing, teaching as a dancer. That took me ages. And then I got an, um, a phone call, do I want to teach body jam? And I was like, what is it? It's dancing, it's, it's aerobics. Yeah, great. So then that was when it was a three-day module. Mm. 
Um, and I had Sarah Norman take me through three days of body jam. And all I can say is that I thought Sarah Norman was the best thing on the earth. I thought she was so cool. I just wanted to be like her. She had this big curly hair. Everything she said, everything she did, uh, I really think I really want to be like you. Um, she really gave me that in my module. And then, yeah, so that's how I got into Les Mills. And so started with Body Jam. And then it just went from there. Uh, yeah, I really loved it. And then I went on to uh, do Body Balance which I absolutely loved, um, in 2013. And then 2014, I did my Shabam training. Um, I was really lucky. These are all paid for by my um, centre, the club that I work for, East mm -hmm. Riding Leisure. They kind of send you on what's needed, like the business needs, what they want. And I was teaching Zumba, um, which was, yeah, I was teaching like 10 classes a week at one point. It was absolutely crazy. Um mm -hmm. It was just, and then basically what went off the back of that is we had hundred, like 120 people in my first ever summer class. Um, that's when I got good at choreographing fitness classes because I was choreographing my own. Um, that, yeah, that's, that when Zumba, that's when Zumba was absolutely massive. That was the, the oh. peak probably of Zumba, what, 20, 13, yes. 14, 15? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like it was insane. So you probably had about oh. 10 classes a week with 100 people in each class. Yeah. I mean, it was just insane. Yeah. I remember, oh. I remember the boom. It was absolutely insane. And I spent my like time being frustrated with the fact that I was being really happy because I needed choreographing because um, I would select all my own tracks. I wouldn't use their stuff and I would choreograph my own stuff. And that's where I got really good at merging the two. So that was a real time for learning for me. And then when the hype died down, my manager at the time, coordinator at the time, made the really good decision and said, right, what's fresh now? Shabam. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yes, 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 please. Can we do something structured again? Can we go back to Les Mills? Because Body Jam was replaced by Zumba. So it was kind of the dissatisfaction of that against um, kind of the enjoyment of doing my own thing. Um, so Shabam seemed perfect because it was kind of what I've been teaching anyway, track by track, choreography, mm -hmm. um, different styles of dance. Uh, and I kind of let my street dance creep into my bit. So it wasn't too much of a change, but they said, look, I've got all these people interested in dance, let's go battles. So I got sent on my Shabam training with Phil Harrison and Andrea in October, September, I think. And then I got asked to go on boot camp in the October. The mm. two days after I got my certification, uh, I got asked to go um, to the audition at um, GFX Liverpool. And yes. at that time, like I didn't really even, you know, know know what it really meant. And I just, I was just like, yes, yes, yes. This is everything that I kind of do more than into one. And I just loved everything about the audition process. And then went to boot camp, got taken on as a rookie, and went from there. I love that. Again, just brings us back to what we said at the start. That is, our preparation meets opportunity. And the, the, you know, there's there's always people asking mm -hmm. you know, about Les Mills trainer journeys and. How do you get on to the Les Mills team? And there's this big, there's, you know, is it a big process, auditions, boot camp and all that. And it can be a really, really yeah. long process and it can be really, really short. Um, probably the way mine and yours were quite similar. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's timing mm -hmm. and it's opportunity meets that preparation. And I, th I think it's just grabbing those yeah. opportunities when, when they come. And uh, I'll give you an interesting fact is um, I was actually Northern yeah. Ireland's first male Zumba instructor. But you didn't know that. 
Really? Yeah. Do you have Do you have video evidence of this for your followers, please? <laughs> um. Yes, I do. Actually, <laughs> it exists on Facebook. <laughs> 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 oh, Amazing. No. Uh, so you are <laughs> I, I, I want to make you come out and say it because I think it is absolutely outstanding is where you are in Les Mills Shabam land now is well in fact I won't tell what it is you can tell me what you do for Les Mills Shabam so yeah uh, a couple of so oh gosh what was it oh, I'm so I'm going to look at the time frames because we all do work so differently um in May time, I got an email from directly from Les Mills International um, asking if I would be interested in interested in sending some of my choreography ideas over to Rachel um, for some inspiration. So that's where that's kind of my latest thing that I've been doing. So that's yeah, that's been really cool. Um, there's kind of a few different people collaborating on it. Uh, so Rachel could kind of collect inspiration um, for when she's creating. So that was really cool. That kind of felt like the moment that. All of my sometimes being really honest, I've when I first got on the Les Mills team, I struggled to think right how you know I've got this job at the dance school, and when it's quarterly time, and I'm having to put on a different head, and it's taken me a long time to find myself with the one head that gives different different things at different times, and I just felt in that moment like it was the first moment that I felt like everything that I was doing all came into one thing and everything made sense because there has been times when I've questioned you know am I giving too much by doing this am I giving too much by doing that should I focus on one thing one goal one one career but that made me feel like you know what I am doing it right and this is all one goal and it is all one career and everything I'm doing falls back into that one that one you know that it's me it's what I do it falls back into me whereas before I was trying to create something specific and stick to the one thing so that was the one moment that I just felt like, ah, it all does make sense and I am on the right path. That's good. Loads of people will be really, really interested in, you know, how does that conversation with, with Rachel go? So for those that don't know, Rachel is the program director, co-program director for Body Combat and the director and I think more or less the creator of Shabam. I could be wrong on that. She is, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how do those conversations go? Does she ask you, you know, Emily, send me in your ideas or does she give you a song and a, a genre and then send me up from that? Yeah. So um, last year, summit, not the one just gone, so 2018, mm-hmm. when we were there, um, a few people from the different from the different teams around the country were asked to join Rachel in the studio. Um, and just, she was basically like, so here's, here's the um, soundtrack to Shabam. Uh, I think oh gosh I would like to say which release it was um, I think off the top of my head I'm actually going to check it because I don't want to get it wrong bear with me All I right. think it's 30, 35 yeah no 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 one second um, so release 34 um, for those that are in Shabam so for release 34 we went in the studio and we all kind of had a little play and now it was Phil Harrison that put my name forward which I was really grateful for and um, he came over and said, you know, that that's what you do. And I was at first, I was like, I went through a lot of things when I was first on the team, kind of like, why me? I'm a bit of a, but why me person? And I, I can be like that sometimes. I've kind of kind of get, gotten over that now. Um, but at first I was like, why me? And Phil was like, because that's what you do. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. And I had a little word of myself before I went in. I was like, I'm going to be myself and I'm not going to have intruder syndrome, which sometimes I do get in those situations. 
and I'm just going to treat this not like I'm in like Les this Lesnos land that I don't know that I'm in a dance class this is what I do I've been doing it for 10 years now um and then basically all Rachel did was just play the soundtrack and we just gave our ideas and I absolutely loved it I loved being on the side of it um the side you know it's not about presenting not about learning content or delivering content or choreography it was just about seeing the vulnerability of pe the people that you see creating this amazing stuff all the time and then you being asked to present your ideas it was so cool um and then actually and then getting the release actually and seeing some of my ideas and that if I like in it I, I couldn't believe it I thought it was so cool I just I just felt real grateful the, the my most enjoyable thing about that process was seeing somebody like Rachel in that state that I go in quite a lot which is creating questioning um thinking of ideas putting them together I absolutely loved seeing that sign of Les Mills um and then what happened is so that was last year last um and then this year I got an email from uh Kylie um, who's obviously the creative director and it just said hi Emily would you be interested in doing some work on Shazam 38 and so I was just like yeah amazing of course of course I would absolutely love to and it was just a case of um there's three of there's three choreographers working on it um as well as Rachel and we all just sent our ideas for the full soundtrack so it wasn't specifically you do this track you do that track da, da, da. it was just kind of for Rachel to have a scope of where other people would take it because um, Shabam's kind of going in a direction at the moment where they're just trying to keep it current and just trying to keep it cool and on top of its game. And I think occasionally welcoming other people in on the creative process is where that is going to make the difference. So, so yeah, that's, that's how it came about. And I just sent my videos. Um, it was kind of just requested to just a couple of hours in the studio, just freestyle to the music, put together my ideas on a video and send it off. And um, yeah, that was that. So it was very cool. Uh, uh, very so cool. Um, at, at the time of doing this podcast, it's the day after Tribal Gathering, and I remember watching Shabam yesterday for a little bit. It was the time on the stage. Yeah. It, was, it was just Carrie and Rachel was on yeah. stage at the time. I don't think Laura was on track at that point in time. Um, and you know, it's just for yeah. those that don't know what Shabam so Shabam and Body Jam, I always describe these sessions when you go to quarterly workshops, traffic gatherings or whatever, these are the ones you must watch and mm -hmm. do some actions. So I, I won't quite say participate in because I don't feel like I participate, but I watch and I, I try to do something. So it's like actionable stuff. Yeah. They're always they're always so cool to, to to watch and just be in that room. Um yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth here, and but I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to mm -hmm. leave you. You said you you find it difficult, maybe at the start, coming onto the Les Mills team, and you know it was kind of that yeah. moment when you were feeling vulnerable and you know spending that time with Rachel. Is what's the difference between this Les Mills environment and to your teaching school environment, the Fierce Dance Academy? Um, so I guess, oh, that's a big question. I know. Um, so, so you ask, so kind of what's, what's the difference in how I feel in the environment, in the different environments? Is that kind of what, what you Yeah, because 
if if you're in the fierce dance academy, you know it's it's yeah you're the boss you're dealing with your your team yeah, where okay. your customers, and then you're in in Les Mills land and yeah. So, and you said okay, you, you felt like you were in your place with the school, but maybe not so much in your place uh, as a Les Mills instructor yeah. at the start. Yeah. 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 Okay, I get what you mean. So, um, so obviously at the dance school, obviously um, I, um, I lead things. I'm in charge. Um, I'm responsible for everything, which um requires me to be a leader. Um, which. I think I was kind of a natural born leader since being a child. Going off on a tangent again, actually, when um, I, I saw somebody in the pub the other day, at the pub the other day from my primary school, he was a caretaker and he said to me, now then, Emily Wainwright, which I was before, it's my Emily Wainwright, are you still making up dances in the playground and, I, and making everybody do them? And I said, yeah, I actually am. The only difference now is that I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> uh, so I think I've always kind of been an actual leader. Uh, my mum always said I'm, I, I was bossy um, and I used to make all the kids uh, in my down my street um, dance on the green and put on performances for people and yeah, I was I was definitely a natural born leader uh, when I was younger, so I definitely f- feel comfortable in that leadership space. But I think something I've never really, if I, I've never really thought about it, but I suppose something I'd never really experienced is being a leader in a group of leaders and knowing where to put myself. Um, I'm not the type of lead like I would definitely say that I, one of the things I struggle with is the authority of being a leader I don't thrive off the power I definitely that's not something that gives me any sort of joy um I think the power of a good leader is getting the best out of other people um and yeah I, just, I think the difference between the this space at FDA and then the space at Les Mills is just knowing where to put yourself and I think the hierarchy of Les Mills initially um really got to me and I felt like when I say got to me, got it was totally in my own head that I felt like I had to kind of be be quiet and you know be be down and I didn't shout about what I did, I didn't talk about and I just I just struggled to be myself because I was so used to being confident and being a leader and I felt like I couldn't be like that when I was first on the team. But I, I guess with a lot of jobs that's the case. Thanks for sharing that. Um, the reason why that came up is that that's actually quite common. Um, on the on the Lesmos team, I went through that. Everyone goes through that, and yeah. the reason I actually had a conversation with one of her trainers yesterday, and this trainer also listens to the the podcast. Um, reasonably, yeah, on on the team, maybe two years, three years possibly. But the the reason why that mm-hmm. happens, you know, I kind of explain it like this: is you, you're in your you're in your teaching bubble. So in your case, your teaching bubble might have been your school and teaching your shabam and jam classes just in the leisure center. And you are mm-hmm. your your king or your queen of this bubble. And then you're brought into this new bubble where it's a, it's a bigger bubble that that bubble has, you know, that bigger kind of um, bigger reach. So you're a bubble and maybe you're part of the community, you're part of the town. Yeah. And then you're in this bubble yeah. which covers the whole yeah. of the, the UK. And now you're kind of it, it takes you time to not not necessarily find your place in that bubble, but it's kind of like yeah. there's, all, there's all these new people that you stay yeah, with. Definitely. I I've did it myself and I've seen it with so many people coming on yeah. to yeah. just coming on to being a Lesnos instructor, never mind being a Lesnos trainer. 
is yeah there is that that process where you learn mm-hmm. you learn how to be an instructor but still be a presenter at the same time and what I mean by that is the way you instruct your classes on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m after three bus journeys yeah. is the exact same yeah. as how you'll <laughs> present at a Les Mills live or a quarterly workshop and yeah. I but I it took me years it took me years to be yeah. the same person um and I think a, a lot of oh people yeah definitely that. yeah so I know I know a lot of people yeah will listen to this and maybe that'll really resonate them in Les Mills land but yeah. I think that'll really resonate with people and it, it's probably transferable to a lot of things um so I'm, I'm really really glad that you're up. yeah yeah um so you put up yeah a... I think it's just about like it it's not a pot not no go ahead go ahead I cut oh. you off there the internet connection's just a little bit delayed so what, what were you saying no sorry it's it, the connection's a bit funny oh, I was just gonna say I think I think with the uh, um it's I think it's really hard like everyone says be yourself be yourself be yourself and we all think we're being ourselves, and the, and but it's like in those situations where there's a lot of people being their self and being their ultimate self, you kind of start to create this person that you think is is the person that you what you should be when you're yourself. But in fact, it just takes time, and that's what I found. And I think it's about sometimes you're trying to make yourself smaller in a new situation. Um, I know that I do that quite a lot. Um, just so as to blend in, and I'm, I'm an observer, I like blend in, observe situations. Um, yeah, and I think it's just, I think just comes with time, it's just taking time to be yourself, and even just be yourself. Sometimes you have to find yourself in these situations, and, and you, you, you um, event, eventually you become comfortable, and it's, it's almost like one day it just happens, and it clicks, and you're like, oh, okay, now I can be the same person the whole time, um, but it's just a it's just a growth thing. It's just an it's just a new thing, and I think once you realise everybody is feeling the same, and then that flicks your, switches your mindset definitely. Yeah, totally. Um, I just just want to move on, kind of slightly sideways. Uh, what what does your current yep. training look like? So at the moment, obviously we. So in terms of training, it totally depends on what I'm doing, what my goals are. Um, what my priorities are so at the moment it's just um I'm training a lot in dance because we've got this competition and I'm actually what I will say I'm coming out of retirement shall we say and I'm actually dancing in the competition on Sunday which I don't normally yes. do um I'm shitting my pants um <laughs> because I, I am I'm dancing with like the 16 year olds so well 13 year olds 16 year olds 22 year olds um and it's a big pressure because you know I've got the parents watching that you know, I, I train their kids and even though they're all so supportive and they absolutely love it when I when I join in they're, they're so supportive but I've always just put everything into the into the kids so much I always kind of come last but um yeah but now we've got a really advanced team I've joined them so we're dancing that on Sunday so I've got um yeah I've been practicing a lot and training a lot for that we've got a lot of extra rehearsals so that kind of takes my priority at the moment so my training t- at the moment is kind of practicing my Les Mills stuff for mm-hmm. quarterlies because obviously that's what I'm prepping for so this is a period of time where my my day job becomes my choreographing and practicing and mm-hmm. yeah doing all that stuff so training that way and then everything else is just prepping so obviously that involves a lot more dancing a lot more training and just looking after my body, a lot of yoga, 
um, I try and do um, every day stretching, but I don't have at the moment any sort of extra training. It's just nourishing my body, looking after my body um, next to my dancing, really. Yeah, what what type of yoga do you do? Um, yeah, um, on a good on a good kind of non busy time where I'm not doing this much prep and this much dancing, I try and fit in a couple of sessions that would be just functional training, strength training. Um, but I'm not a massive I'm not a massive kind of gym gym goer, gym trainer. I do a lot of stuff at home. I've got like a little mini studio in my dining room, which is cool. Best thing I ever bought was like 110 pound a dance mirror. Um, and I do all my training at home I like training on my own um, so yeah when I have the chance I mix up a few different sessions it's just be just based on strength training really um, but yeah that's it so at the moment pretty non-existent apart from dancing and stretching and looking after my body and my mind at this busy time ah uh, well well listen dancing's not <laughs> dancing's not exactly easy it's a uh, very very no taxing on the mind and body and a moment of perspective please for all the les mills instructors listening to this because we all get kind of caught up you know it's like oh shit and what body pump am i teaching and what body pump am i mixing and what body pump am i trying to learn you're doing all that with jam (laughs) shabam bar and you're also doing all your stuff with your dance school including competitions and all that and i was worried yesterday about remembering three tracks for cx works so uh that's uh that's perspective that's a real choreography head melt (laughs) yeah yeah and and yeah and and i'm a real honest sometimes sometimes i get you know i do feel a bit like shit when i can't fit in my own training and even when i read your question i was like oh for god's sake ask me the question because i'm not doing any training at the moment and i should be (laughs) but then sometimes you have to just remember like but this is what I was saying as well about fitness and about it not fitting in a box and knowing that what I am doing is still fitness and I'm not a fraud because I'm not lifting weights every day and I'm not um, doing those things. And, and it's just about knowing when to turn that on and when to turn that off and when I need to do that and when I don't need to do that and when I can't do that. Do you know what I mean? It's just about finding that balance and um, making sure that it's doable and enjoyable and yeah, finding the balance. You put up a really, really powerful Instagram post uh, maybe last month or a month or so ago, and it was it was a picture of you dancing, and I can't remember exactly what the caption yeah. was, but it was basically saying how you don't enjoy doing traditional fitness, and you felt pressured maybe when you were younger, and how dancing has been your yeah. way of doing fitness. Yeah, so with that, so with that, I think so at school, um, I hated everything. It's it's more um, the fact that when I was younger, I didn't think I was in, like, if you'd have said to me, are you into fitness? I would have said, oh my God, like, no way. I, I'm not into fitness at all. Even though I was dancing every day and I was, you know, really active and I was doing lots of stuff. And, but I wasn't, I wasn't into athletics, which was the thing at the time at school. I wasn't a runner. I um didn't go in the little school gym <laughs> but it was mostly just to do with the fact that I wasn't sporty and I always thought that fitness was sport growing up I just just that's what I always felt like it was and if I wasn't you know stick thin or um have abs um I wasn't into fitness but then in in hindsight when I was younger I was probably moving a lot more than a lot of other people were and I was definitely definitely into fitness but um it's only as I've got older that I've realized that I definitely am into fitness and I was just putting fitness in a box that doesn't exist. 
ah, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. It's like when people say, oh, I want to get into shape, but I don't like the gym. And I'm like, fine, don't, don't yeah. go to the gym. You know, yeah. go, go dance, go play football, go play netball, go go out running, swimming, whatever it might be. And it's just, yeah. it's such a, a powerful message. And I, like, I remember the post that you put up. Um, and I remember, I think, I don't know if yeah. I commented on it or I sent you a message directly at the time, which is like, it's so, so powerful, yeah. especially yeah. for for young, impressionable, um, you know, pressurized teenagers and children nowadays. It's oh god, yeah. Yeah, just just find your love of whatever mm-hmm. that activity is. You know, if you're the only yeah. you're the only boy in the school doing dance, brilliant. If you're the only girl yeah. who wants to to play rugby or football, brilliant, go and mm-hmm. do it. You know, if you want to be the yeah. the only one in the school and you want to start like a hiking school and walk up mountains at the weekend, it, it's such a powerful mm-hmm. thing. And and dance is obviously obviously yours so I, I just i love that message and i love that kind of outlook on it and it, it's good that you were able to share that on your social media i think that will have i know that will have helped mm. a lot of people in, in your ecosystem yeah 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 uh, i think i think um obviously now uh, not sorry this connection is a bit rubbish i think now um, obviously in the position I'm in now, I have to I have to train in certain ways to look after my body too dance. So I'm not at all dismissing the fact that I have to traditionally train and make sure I'm strong and flexible and um, you know, my cardio fitness is good. Um, but I think the message is that especially with children, teenagers, adults that have never done anything in fitness before, is thinking that you either have to be one of two things. You're either into fitness and you are, you know, you you prep your meals, you you train every day in the gym, you have a PT, you you do ab pictures on your Instagram in your mirror, you eat out of Tupperware, or you're not into fitness. It's this it's this thing. What about the in between? What about the people who walk the dog every morning at six o'clock? Are they into fitness? Um, what about the you know the young girl that plays football three times a week in a football team um is she into fitness or is just the girl who's you know going to the gym and and training her abs and posting it on instagram i think it's this warped vision of mm-hmm. what fitness is hashtag fit farm hashtag fitspur hashtag you know what i mean that kind of stuff i think it's it's you know i've been asked numerous i've been asked numerous questions along the way quite a lot by young girls you know if you oh, if you're a fitness instructor why aren't you real skinny i've had that quite a few times um if you're a fitness instructor um do you not need to have abs <laughs> um you know if you're a fitness what do you eat are you a fitness instructor oh, god you must not eat cake like i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah do you know it, it's these it's these it's these um idea like my mum's actually a perfect example my mum uh, would like always say she's never into fitness but she's really really active like always like you know doing jobs and cleaning her house and walking the dog and and she really dismisses herself and says that she's really really horrendously unfit never into fitness um you know and I mean she could find a a better more structured without a doubt routine to be more fit but you cannot say you're not into fitness when you are moving or when you're active and I just think that's the message and it's just about finding something that you genuinely enjoy and that you can keep up with and then like dancing if you're into dancing you know you then yeah you might want to start strength training and you might want to start doing more work on your flexibility and looking at your diet but not doing that does not mean that you're not into fitness 
Yeah, I love that. Um, well, what I want to do now is just uh, I'm really, really conscious for time. And thank you so much for uh, sharing all of this. I've got my, my three questions to finish with. Yeah. So I'll hit you very, very quickly. Is what is the last book you read and who would you recommend it for? Oh, uh, this is really hard because I'm a bit of a bouncer between books. Um, and the last book I read, I've already read before. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give you a couple of quotes from it. That the reason why I really like it. So it's Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic: Creative Living Beyond Fear. Um, and there's just so many amazing little nuggets of things that she says. Like, and I save the voice clips. Um. So that was probably the last one I read because I went back to a section of it. Um, and she says things such as, um, the universe buries strange jewels deep within us all and then stands back to see if we can find them. Uh, and I just think that is so, so beautiful. And it's just, I, that, it just puts into words really artistically kind of what I try and say to people. Like everybody is good at something and it's just, you've just got to be brave enough to find it. Um, oh, there's so many little things that she says in that book that I have to stop and like, I'm out walking my dog, I have to just stop and write it down or like grab the voice note. Um, and this one is one of my favorites, which is you measure your worth by to your path, not by your successes or your failures. Um, and that I come back quite a lot because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So if things aren't going right, I'm like measuring my worth and my success by how well things are going but I have to remember not just be um grateful for the fact that I am a person that wants to do these things um so I measure my worth by my dedication rather than what's going right so it's just full of little little nuggets like that so it's it kind of comes across as though it's it's a book for creative people but it's actually about how everybody everybody is creative and that life is creative and how um you can live creatively so it's just being a creative being whether you are a writer, a dancer, or whether you are just living a life that involves any sort of creativity, which we all do. Um, and it's just got little things like it says, if you're alive, then you're a creative person. And I just, I just love it. I think it's great. And I would just say it's for anybody. Um, I, it, it drew to me because obviously working in a creative um, field, one of the my favourite things about it as well is they ex she explores the um idea that to do a creative job you just have to do it you don't have to study it you don't have to pay somebody to um deliver seminars and do a degree in it if you want to be a writer you just have to just write and that means you're creative living it's just a very cool way to look at being creative um yeah so I was just drawn to it with the, with the fact that it was about creativity but it's so much more than that it's just about being creative in every aspect of your life and then living life to its to the fullest I am so going looking for that book. Remind me what the name was because I didn't get a chance to write it yep. down. Yep, it's Elizabeth Gilbert is the author and it's called Big Magic, Creating Creative Living Beyond Fear. So she also wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which mm -hmm. is more well-known. Um, yeah, so I would definitely recommend that one. Excellent, excellent, love it. Um, what purchases under £100 have you made that have had amazing impact in your life? So I've got like, so I've got two sides of this. I've got pro-technology and anti-technology. So my Alexa has changed my life without a doubt. Um, I, I love sitting down to work and I'm just like, Alexa, play classical music. And then I will um, kind of listen to that. 
but it's also amazing when I'm choreographing because I can be in the, I've got a little dance mirror um, next to my Alexa. So I can just say like, play this song or like, um, at the moment we're doing a 90s theme show. So I can just say Alexa, play some 90s tunes or whatever. Um, and I find it, it's just, it, it's, it's just so modern and so cool. And then when I'm choreographing, instead of switching my music back, I can just say Alexa, start again. Alexa, play that song again. So I find that that is a real, um, yeah, just time saver. And I just, yeah. it's just such this little, this just little thing that I can talk to that just gives me music like that. But I, I do mainly just use it for music. It's just really cool um, just to explore libraries of music that isn't mine and finding different songs. I love it. It's great. Um, and then, yeah, and then my other one, which is it's kind of two anti-technology ones. So I must admit this has gone out the window, but now I've thought about it, I'm going to bring it back. So I bought me a Mark, my husband, a little traditional alarm clock because, and it was four pounds. I am sick of us lying in bed, staring at our phones um, in the morning and in the evening. And I tell you what, we did it for a few weeks and it has gradually crept back in when life gets busy and you need to text someone back or do some work or whatever. But I tell you what, that changed my, um, I felt so much more relaxed without my phone in my bedroom. So we actually left them outside the bedroom uh -huh. and just had this sacred space um, when you were in there, you know, that was for sleep, that was for rest, and the phones weren't in there because I think technology is just there all the time. And I think when you're working with mute, with music and screens and uh, the sound and the light all day long to have that break. So that's one of the best things that I've bought, but I must admit I, it has gone out the window, but I'm determined to use it again. Um, and alongside the same, I, I was different, like, tired of habits and behaviors and this when you work from home you have um a certain mark and sometimes it's so easy to distracted you have these little pockets of time and um sometimes sitting and scrolling on your phone goes from five minutes to an hour and oh, yeah. you can tell yourself that you're working but you're not working you just needed that 10 minute little break um but that 10 minute break turns into an hour and you you know oh well I'm going on Instagram I'm using my social media I'm working and it's not, and I don't really like watching TV during the day because it sends me um, off into a weird kind of, that, that's my evening thing to do to relax sometimes. So I bought these little, these little tiny little books. I'll show you one, these little books. And they were, um, they were three pound. And this one's called The Little Book of Resilience. Um, and they're all little books of mindfulness. And I've got them dotted around my house. So I've got some on near my sofa, I've got some near my bed, some in the bathroom. And whenever I have the urge to go on my phone, I'm trying to just open my little book and read it. Um yeah, it sounds <laughs> that sounds really sad, but um it really works for me because sometimes going on my phone can make me feel quite anxious. Yeah. Sometimes it'll plan something and I'm getting stressed and I can't I need, I need a little 10-minute break. And the last thing you want to do is scroll through social media and see somebody else doing that thing you want to do perfectly. Yeah. And then, you know, and I think just going back to the simplicity of this little book, um, and it also has loads of little cool um, quotes and little nuggets of information. And I just feel that that 10 minutes out of screens, like again, anti-technology just resets my brain. Um, again, I've been doing this for a couple of, for a couple of weeks, um, but they're just dotted around my house and they look really cute. Um, so yeah, that's just another little purchase that I think that's, might be something that I will 
that's brilliant. Like I'm going to do that. I'm a, a massive practitioner of systems over willpower, and you know, uh, I'll, mm-hmm. I won't use my phone for more than an hour today. But if you have your phone in your yeah. or your pocket, you'll always pick it up. Whereas what you've done is you've implemented a yeah. system. You put books around the house, and mm-hmm. it's like my yeah. system is pick up the book rather than relying yeah. on my oh I won't check because you're very right yeah. about social media bringing on anxiety like you know yeah. over the last 24 hours because I've just come from a tribal gathering my phone has gone mental with, with yeah. tags and people sending me pictures and videos and you see like see yeah. that night in the airport when I was sitting there I literally I had yeah. my hood up I had my phone in my pocket because it was just like I need I just need silence I had my headphones in, yeah. I wasn't listening to anything. I just need that yeah. that me space and that, you know, systems of world part. And see, I'm going when we when we finish this up, I'm gonna get yeah. you to tell me where you got those books from because I'm going to do that. I'm definitely doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it's really cool actually. Just little things like, do you know, I just realized that I think with technology now, we all have a real inability to be bored. And mm-hmm. I'm terrible for it. Like if I cannot sit still, so the other day my phone had died. Um, we're watching something on TV, which I don't do very often, but um, late at night after dinner, I like sit and watch TV with Mark. And Mark was like, I'm just gonna make a phone call. And I sit there and I'm like, Is that the what do I do? Are my phone's dead, the TV's paused because Mark's busy. What do I do? And that's when the first time that I grabbed my little book, and I was like, Yeah, these are the times. I mean, it's a shame my phone had to be dead for me to do that, but that's where I kind of got the principle, the, the idea of it from. Um, and it is those little moments going to the toilet. Why do we all go to the toilet with our phones? It's just, it's just you can't do, you just can't do anything without. And, and if it's not there, you feel like you've lost the limb. So it's just trying to replace that with something, something more, um, just healthier for your brain. So that's kind of how it's come about. But, um, but yeah, and that's the first time I did that. And then I didn't want to put my book down and watch TV again. I wanted to keep with my book, but I thought no, no. I put my little bookmark, put it back, and it's kind of. Just battling boredom and not replacing boredom with technology, which I think we all do too much. Yeah, we do, we do. Uh, listen, Emily, I have loved this. Um, just very quickly to finish up, where can people find you and the Fierce Dance Academy on social media? So um, for our Dance Academy, Instagram is probably the best way, or Facebook. Um, it is at FDA Northeast UK. And um, I post a lot of stuff on my personal one as well, which is at Emily Joe Wilson on Instagram as well. Um, Facebook is Fierce Dance Academy and my Facebook is also just Emily Wilson. Excellent. Absolutely love that. Thank you so much for your time today. I'll put all of those in the show notes. So if anyone listening wants to go and find them, the dance videos Emily puts up are absolutely incredible. So definitely go and check them out. Thank you very much, Emily. Thank you. So much fun doing that episode with Emily. Hopefully that came across. In fact, I know it came across because we were having so much fun. I just know that will have been a really, really good episode for you to listen to. Check out Emily's Instagram pages. All the links are in the show notes, including her Fierce Dance Academy. And if you could reach out to Emily, give her a follow. That would mean a lot to me, a lot to Emily, and a lot to the Ricky Love podcast. It's how I know the podcast is Working, sponsored by Putty for Sport, Northern Ireland Sports Retailer of the Year 2018 and the sponsors of Ricky Long, Dozen Ironman in 2020. Thank you so much for your continued support. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the reviews you give me on iTunes and for everybody who has reached out to me recently 
again referring back to the Les Mills Tribal Gathering and just coming up to me kind of a little bit no introductions were made just people saying that they love listening to the podcast thank you so much it means so much to me and like I said right at the start of the episode it's what keeps this podcast going until episode number 63 I bid you farewell you are listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes.